0: Hello, everyone. This is Tosha, and you are listening to the Supernova Tosha Show podcast, the show that discusses social issues and how it affects the community. Today, we're going to be discussing female genital mutilation. I don't know why I keep saying the wrong word, but it's female FGM, female genital mutilation. Uh, there was a movie called Desert Flower. Uh, it's a film that depicts, uh, depicts a uh, Somali-born woman who makes her way across the desert and becomes. it follows her life as she becomes a top model. And then she transitions into a human rights advocate against FGM, which is the female general mutil- mutilation. And uh, this docudrama... Is a recount of her life in Somalia, then you know working in the fashion industry to becoming a humanitarian to fight against this horrific practice. And her name is Waris. I hope I'm saying it right. It's W-A-R-I-S Waris, and then Dirie D-I-R-I-E. I want you to uh, listen. Take a listen to this heartrending oratory from the movie, Desert Flower. Take a listen. I love my
1: mother. I love my family. And I love Africa. For over 3000 years, the family truly believes that a daughter who is not circumcised is not clean because what exists between our legs is unclean so it must be removed and sealed up as proof of virginity and virtue and in the wedding night the husband takes a blade or a knife and cuts it open before he forces himself into his bride. An uncircumcised girl cannot marry, consequently she is expelled from her village and put on the same level as a whore. This practice continues even though it is not written in the Quran. It is accepted that as a result of this mutilation, women are sick mentally and physically for the rest of their lives. The same women who are the backbone of Africa. I survived, but my two sisters didn't. Sophia bled to death after being mutilated. And Amina died in childbirth with the baby in her belly. How much stronger would our continent be if this senseless ritual were abolished? There is a proverb in my country. The last camel in line walks as quickly as the first. Whatever happens to the least of us has an effect on all of us. When I was a child, I said, I do not want to be a woman. Why, when it is so painful and so unhappy? But now that I am grown, I am proud to be who I am. Now,
0: according to UNICEF, approximately 200 million little girls and women experience FGM before they turn age 15, and it's because it causes extreme physical and and psychological harm. It's um you know, it's, it's recognized as a human rights violation. It is, it is still being practiced. It's still being performed in various countries for various reasons. And um, this dates back to over 2000 years. So if you've never heard of it, just know that it's not a new practice and it's nothing that, you know, just all of a sudden, you know, came to light. It's it's an old practice, about 2,000 years old. And um, Somalia right now has the world's highest reported prevalence, followed by Guinea, Djibouti, Mali, Sierra Leone, predominantly the sub-Saharan African and Arab states. Uh, it's being practiced in also Asia. It's also practiced in um, the Arab states. It's In North America, Australia, and New Zealand. Now, hearing North America, I was very, very surprised. So what I did was just trying to find out as much information as I could to see where in North America and what is the rationale behind it. But the United States was listed as a country that engages in FGM. And I was confounded that so, you know, in, so looking deeper, I, I read that doctors actually performed FGM in the United States up until the 1980s. Um, it was something that was highest in the, the immigrant communities in the United States, however, in the 19th and 20th century um it was considered a standard medical procedure a standard medical procedure in the treatment of hysteria depression nymphomania and frigidity which that's like when you have a lack of interest in in intercourse or you you know have an inability to attain orgasm um and this was actually covered by by health insurance believe it or not in 1977 now in the united states if you um are, if you are a practitioner um a doctor and you're performing fgm on anyone under the age of 18 it does become a a fellow it's a felonious act so the united states um has made it a felony there um the Okay, so in the United States, when a federal law, there's a federal law called the Female Genital Mutilation Act, and that was passed in 1996. I want you to really take a listen to the years that I'm calling out because we're in 2023. So if you're listening keenly, this was not too long ago. So 1996. Now, the House of Representatives in 2021 in 2020, let me get closer to the mic, the House of Representatives in 2021 signed into law the Stop FGM Act of 2020. Now, this gives federal authorities the power to prosecute those who carry out or conspire to carry out FGM. Why? Well, okay, so um, a U.S. Federal District Judge by the name of Bernard, Bernard Aid Friedman in Michigan, he argued that the federal government did not have authority to enact legislation outside the interstate commerce clause. In addition, he ordered eight people, eight people who mutilated by performing female circumcision, circumcision, that's what, that's another name for it on nine girls. I don't know if you hear that, let let that sink in for a moment. Um, The charges were dropped against them and the Department of Justice did not appeal this ruling. And that's why the house stepped in as they should. So anyway, the the practice of female um, mutilation, is practiced around the world. This is nothing that I can find about I can't find anything about its origin. Um only that it is cultural, it's a religious practice and as we discover in North America it's used for mental health or were it was at one point used for a mental health treatment. And um I have not uncovered any benefits any benefits at all. I don't know what female circumcision, circumcision does as far as beneficial to girls and, and women. And, um, the fact that this is performed under no anesthetic in extremely septic conditions, you have, um, girls as young as infancy that this is being performed on. So it is detrimental to women's health. It's a violation of human rights. And when performed on children, it actually should be ruled as child abuse. And here here are just some reasons of of why this is considered um, abuse. So there are different types of um, female circumcision. (laughs) I'm getting tongue-tied. I think I think because I'm getting emotional, <laughs> but um, there are different types. But picture this: so part, part, or or all of the clitoris is amputated, right? So that's one type. The second type is um, the clitoris and the labia minora are removed. That's another type, or it's the removal of the clitoris. labia minora and the labia major they're cut off and not only is it cut off but it's also scraped in order to create a raw surface and then it's also it's it's stitched at the edges of the wounds so that when it when it healed when it um when it's held together and it it heals like so it heals and And then it covers the, um, the, the, the urethra, the urethra. It just pains me just to even think about it. So it just leaves like a small needle size or like, um, or matchstick size, needle size or toothpick size opening for the passage of urine, which is definitely not, it's not large enough. So you can imagine the excruciating pain the mental pain, um, these girls and and women are being held down. And, um, during this horrific torture after, you know, the raw cuts and the scraping and the bleeding, can you just imagine urinating and and washing up with all the swelling and, and the inflammation? You know, there's no anesthetic. As I said before, there, there are no pain, pain relief given there's no needles to numb you there's nothing at all so women many women and girls experience abscess they go into shock they hemorrhage a lot of them hemorrhage to death so basically they're bleeding to death and um you know if you survive if you happen to survive you end up getting really terrible infections and um you know during consummation of marriage tearing and bleeding occurs due to all of the scarring and um sometimes uh these these women once they're married they're they're cut they have to be cut open um so here it is the uh, husbands say that they don't enjoy penetration it's very difficult um so they would they would prefer a wife that did not undergo uh, genital circumcision so Here's what I call a thought bubble, right? So you have these thoughts in your head and in a bubble, and phew, pops. So here's my thing: you have this very savage, savage ritual that disfigures, and and it it dif- it's it's disfiguring, right? It's painful. It's savage. It's it's uncivil. It's uncivilized, and you're doing this to meet girls and women marriage material. And actually what it does is increases the chances of them not being marriageable. And those that are married, it actually increases the potential of dissolution of marriage divorce because the spouses find it very difficult to be intimate with them. And not only that, it causes a lot of infertility issues as well. That's one of the uh, repercussions of having this done. And when you have infertility issues, a lot of times, you know, men want an heir to carry on their name or, you know, whatever. Um, So I still don't understand why this is still being practiced. So like I, there ought to be laws. This is all I know is there ought to be laws. And you wonder what incentivizes a young girl to undergo this in, in country, in cultures, girls basically want to conform. They want to fit in because if you are one of the few who don't get this procedure done, um, from what I've read and from what I understand is that, you know, once you don't get the procedure done, then you're ostracized from, the, the women and girls that, that have had it done, um, sort of a, um, a rite of passage or something, or, you know, a clique, you belong to a a clique. And so if you're not one of the ones who gets it done, um, you're teased. And so, uh, because of this, they want to fit in. So a lot of times they just, uh, submit and they do it. Um, the prospective husband's family does pay a bride price to the bride's family. And, um, that bride price, you, they pay a higher price for the potential bride, uh, when she is circumcised. So, um, they find her more, more valuable. So, um, and a lot of times, uh, the girls just don't even have a say. They don't have a voice. They don't have a say. They're, they're not able to refuse. They're not able to say, to say that they, they don't want it done. They just don't have a say. They don't have an input. Um, they just basically go along with it. And sometimes they are held down by force. And that's why I say they're just there ought to be laws. Ought to be laws. Listen, I'm a person who loves culture. I celebrate culture. I I try to learn other people's culture and I appreciate cultures. Um, So I'm, you know, I, I love different cultures. I love reading about it. Um, I love researching about it. I love just having conversations where people sit and tell me, you know, cultures and practices that they do. I love traditions, but tradition and in, in certain types of uh, honorable rituals that encourage love and peace, unity and safeguarding and protecting humanity. I would never intentionally try to humili- humiliate or to mock or to belittle practices that differ from mine. If I if I don't understand it, um, I do my very best that I can to you know, try to understand the 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 whys and and the hows. And but I you know I may not completely comprehend you know putting a monetary value on a woman's virginity because it may not be my place or it may not be you know, my best interest to know, but I do my very best to listen and to learn so that I can support and appreciate other cultures. And I've tried with all that I could to see the worth in female circumcision. And, um, I just, I see nothing. All I see is a crime. I see a crime crimes against humanity. It is a deliberate sabotage to the internal and external organs of girls and women and we are already a marginalized group. Uh, just being a woman, I feel like you're already marginalized. So, you know, for years we're forced to submit to to things that were out of our control. You know, we suffered through, you know, not being um, equal and uh, for instance, at one point, we we couldn't we couldn't have any property. We had no property ownership rights as a woman, and wives had to submit to certain laws that permitted husbands to beat and to imprison, beat and imprison their wives. And these are just you know two examples of how much the female gender has had to endure throughout history. Um, so I'm I'm just trying to I'm struggling with trying to find and. and find a way where this makes sense, like make it make sense. Um, I want you to take a listen to this, uh, this young woman. This is a a survivor story. It's um, it tugs at the heart, but, you know, go ahead and and take a listen to it.
2: I was cut for my future husband. So I don't have sex outside marriage. So I don't enjoy sex. Primarily, my body is just there to carry babies. This is me as a survivor, as a therapist. FGM is not a cultural, traditional practice, but actually it's child abuse. That particular day was quite interesting and it was only my neighbor's daughter that said to me, oh, you must be really looking forward to today. And I was like, okay. And I thought, well, it's not my birthday. What the hell's going on? And she said, oh, you're having your... <clears throat> Goodneen done. So Gudnini is FGMS Molly. She must have been eight, nine years old. So it's a child telling another child what's about to happen to them. She started to explain what it was. And I'm sitting here thinking, but mommy told me no one should touch my body. So it's a conflicting messages that was going on in my head. But as she's explaining this, I could hear a scream coming down from the other side of the house, like screaming. It was my sister. Before, it was like an out-of-body experience before I could even do or think anything. It was like, get Layla, get Layla's, Layla's turn. And I mean, I run off. Obviously, I'm seven years old. There's only so much running I can do. So they grabbed me, pinned me on this table. Women who held me down, these were aunties, family members, you know, family, friends. Before I knew it, I was screaming and I could feel... Feel my flesh being cut off. But I just remember him saying, you, you be naughty, you know, you behave yourself, you know, it doesn't hurt. And I blacked out from that moment. So had FGM done, I was home for two weeks recovering. The weekend after, we were back at the beach. Life was normal again. That's just the way it was. Once you undergo something like this, there's no way back. There's no way back from this. My mother. Um, wasn't just cut once, she was cut twice because a neighbor thought not enough flesh was taken away. And for me, when we talk about FGM, <clears throat> there's so much focus on the type and what happened. What we need to focus on is this idea that we can just go and examine children's genitals. What I experienced was actually one of the worst forms of abuse. The doctor that cut me would never be seen as a pedophile because he's, 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 he's checking my genitals under the label of a doctor people giving me any reasons, they will say it's their religion it's their culture I mean none of the holy books mention it it's practiced amongst all religions but none of the books mention it however fundamentally FGM it's there to control women and girls bodies especially their sexuality I mean every 11 seconds a girl is being cut so the fact that we're not outraged it's absolutely crazy to me the world hasn't tackled FGM because majority affects black children there will be an outrage if this was white girls. I mean, look what's happening in Hollywood. It's great that we're now naming and shaming sexual harassers and abusers, but black women have been doing that for a while, but no one listened. You know, we can't say every child matters and then pick and choose the ones that matter. I 100% wholeheartedly believe FGM will end, but the only way that's going to end, is we need to end all forms of oppression against human beings. My name is Layla Hussein, and I'm a global citizen.
0: That is unwatchable. Um, at some point, you know, um, hearing survivor stories from women who underwent female genital mutilation gives me an arduous throbbing physical pain starting from my heart radiating downwards into my womb The only thing that I understand of this process is maltreatment. It's torture. It's torment. It's misery. And it's affliction. That's all I understand. And it's the (laughs) menfolk who... Who do this so that they can control women's reproductive lives by forcing girls and women to be sexually intimate, not girls, I'm sorry, by force. Well, I would say girls because some of these girls are being married off as young as 14, 15. So I would say by forcing girls and and women to be sexually intimate with only their spouses for the sole purpose of pregnancy and never to experience any pleasure and not to be in control of their own bodies. This practice, as I see it, is to keep women in their place and to strip them of every ounce of dignity. Starting from infancy to being a youth, preteen to adolescence to a young woman, it is an intrinsic right to live a life void of harm, and inhuman treatment. So, what is being done to end this? Well, um, you know, as in the United States, there's uh, legisl- legislative laws, and uh, there's 28 countries in Africa right now uh, where FGM is is prevalent and um, they have enacted laws to criminalize this practice, which is great. Uh, There's our prison sentences. They vary from a minimum of two months to a maximum of 20 years. So hopefully that'll improve with that whole two months uh, situation. And uh, we just need collective abandonment. We um, We need to have collective abandonment where that's where everyone in the community, I'm talking about the churches, the educators, the parents, the young people, the neighbors, everyone in the community to just abandon the entire practice, abandon the the belief in, in FGM. And, um, you know, we have come a long way. We've come a long way, but we still have, we still have more work to do. There's strength in numbers. We come together and uh, we can make it happen. I want to thank you for joining me on this episode. Until next time, peace be still.